a campaign that we're getting ready to set up too for uh, Gibbo, the other the company that I'm CMO for. So nice, busy as well. It's uh, it's never ending. It's going to be like <laughs> this until until January. I just know it. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, ta- well, thanks for taking the time to, to kind of sit down here and talk to me about this. And I actually just closed my doc that had all your stuff <laughs> in it. So let me pull that back up. Um, so just, this is pretty informal. Um, I want to talk, sorry, I'm clicking around and trying to find my stuff. There we go. Okay, I want to talk about kind of lead shield, talk about, because I think that's awesome. I want to talk about kind of, what you have done with other SaaS startups or other businesses that you kind of feel that are your biggest growth strategies, uh, especially if that ties back into Lead Shield as a as a thing to do. And then, are there any specific things that you want to talk about as well? Um, just yeah, that was kind of pretty much the most of the stuff I want to talk about. Just email marketing in general, and then just growing SaaS businesses. That's pretty much the the, the main two things. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I will start us off, um, and do, and I'll just I'll intro you, and then we'll start. I have a bell here, so if you say anything that you don't that you're like, oh crap, I didn't want that in there, or want to restate anything, just say it. I'll ring okay. the bell. Uh, that tells the editor to uh, <laughs> to cut that part out. Okay. Perfect. All right. Sounds good. So let's let's try this thing. All right. Ring that bell. <laughs> All right. Welcome again to Data Beats Opinion. Uh, I'm here with the owner, uh, founder, owner, everything <laughs> of Lead Shield, uh, Brandon Sheldon. And we're talking today about, so uh, Brandon, I'll let you talk a little bit more about this, but you've grown a number of SaaS companies. Uh, I believe this is your third or fourth? Third. That you, third that you've been doing. And... Uh, a, that's amazing. And B, uh, you were telling me about Lead Shield, and I was like, this is a product that must exist, especially for marketers. <laughs> um, it just kind of blew me away how you had come to essentially scratch your own itch and get that product and uh, and build that out. And I'm talking way too much instead of letting you talk. <laughs> so I'm going to switch over to you and say, hey, thanks for joining us. No problem. No, I appreciate you having me. It's been uh, definitely been a long journey because... I actually had the idea back in like 2015. Oh, wow. And it just it was one of those things where it just took a while for me to really decide if I wanted to move forward with it. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like I was working on other things at the time as well. So it's like I kind of the way I initially built it kind of had to scrap that and then uh, rethink everything through. So. Here, here we are today and now I have yeah. everything good to go. Although I found that that's actually the best way is the the version of the software that goes out is never the first version. Like that's just scrap. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where did it come from though? So you, this is your third SaaS. Uh, this is kind of what you've done over and over. Uh, and this kind of came out of your own experience. So what kind of brought Lead Shield to the front? And why did you start thinking like, I need to build this? Yeah, so it's it's funny. So my first actual real online business where I actually like made consistent money was I was selling email traffic. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty much just building an emailing list, sending out newsletter and affiliate offers, and then I would mix in um, links to other people's stuff, and they basically would just pay me for for advertisement space. And what was happening is that oh, there was a period of time where there was just a lot of spam signing up on my list. 
Mm-hmm. So I was going through all the email addresses and there was like a lot of random like dot ru addresses and just other random addresses where I'm looking at my stats and I'm like, this is really weird. Like there's a segment of my list that every single email opened the first, every single email address opened the first email and then didn't open any other emails after that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this definitely can't be something that's real. So I just grabbed one of the email addresses, put it in an email verification system and it came back as bad. So I'm like, all right, well, let me just like do some research and see if I can like use the email verification system and like have a programmer integrated into my web form so I can stop them from getting on my list. Mm-hmm. So at the time I'm thinking that this is a great idea. So <laughs> I, like I got a few recommendations from friends on programmers to use and he did, he, uh, I paid him. He integrated everything into my, my web form. I had a WordPress site mm-hmm. and then Next thing you know, it's like my conversion rate dropped from 55% to 45%. And I'm like, wait, mm. like, what's going on? Like, at first I thought it was a traffic sources. And then, so I was like, let me just turn off this email verification to see if that's what the problem is. I turned off and it goes back to normal. So then I'm like, okay, well, I know that like 10% of those email addresses aren't bad. So like, why, why was there such a big, yeah, what's going on? So I, I kind of did more research and looked at how, they were actually doing the email verifications and there's like all these complicated status codes they send back and you pretty much are like at the mercy of what, how aggressive or passive that they want to verify the emails and that's how like it was mm-hmm. done. So now I'm like, okay, well in my specific, specific case, I didn't want to be as aggressive with the verification. Right. I preferred to actually collect the lead and then from af- after the fact decide, like whether or not it was going to be a bad email address and kind of decide on the degree of aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. So once I looked for other solutions, none of them allowed you to control that. So and that, I'm like, and that's the interesting thing to me, which is that, you know, when you think about, <laughs> Oh, I just want to get rid of the crappy emails on my list. You think that's a simple problem, right? That's, <laughs> that's going to take me 10 minutes. And because different, like you're saying, different systems return different things. There's different levels of aggressiveness there's so many things that you, there's no just, this is a good email. This is a bad email, right? It's all degrees and not having any control of that. What I need to block my crappy emails is not the same as what you need or what someone else needs because I have different um, business needs. Exactly. And it just, it compounds on itself. It's because I've done the same thing. I was like, oh, I have all these crap emails and now I have no one signing (laughs) up. And... (laughs) But yeah, no, that, that's, that's literally the exact, the exact reason why. So I'm like, okay, well, can't find any solutions that do this. Maybe I should just build one. So that's kind of like where I initially came up with the idea. So I'm like, all right, the initial need was like, I want to be able to verify these emails and then control the aggressiveness or how passive I want to verify the emails. Because a lot of the emails just come back as unknown where the system doesn't even know if it's valid right. or not. So it's like, even those ones, I want to decide whether or not I want to actually collect them or if they're uh, bad emails. So that's kind of like the starting point where I came, where I first created Lead Shield. Then after that, I'm like, okay, well, I want, what happens like as I build my list, I don't want to keep having to like click a button inside of a software to keep pulling the new leads. Like this should happen automatically. If I, ha- right. if I, if I add a, a thousand leads this, this month or a hundred leads today or whatever, I want those leads to automatically start getting verified. I don't have to yep. keep going into a software and, and clicking buttons to pull the new leads. So I'm like, all right, I need that automated too. And then I was like, all right, well, huh, this is, this is pretty good, but like, I need to actually segment the bad email addresses so I can figure out what I want to do with them. 
So that means I need to either tag them or have them move to a different list so I can identify like what was verified as bad or good. So like those kind of three things is what I started leeching with. I was like, all right, I, I can, let, let me look into this to see if I can get this built. And then that, that's pretty much how like the foundation lead shield started. Yeah. And the one thing I like about lead shield is it's not an all or nothing system where a, you have that granular control, but then on the other side, you're not just like throwing them out. Right. Yeah. Cause the, the system that you had originally that you had the developer for, and most people who would try to do it on themselves, they'd be like, Oh, I just don't want them. But that's <laughs> not what you want at all. Because what if there are false positives? Like you want to be able to hook it into your system so that your, your CRM is doing all the, the processing it does and then tag them or sort them or filter them uh, through a system like Leadshow, which uh, I just thought was a really smart way to do it. Um, we built a uh, online course system like a LMS a long time ago and we did not do it that way. And that was the stupidest <laughs> thing we ever did. They're we like, oh no, we're just going to control everything. Nope. Nope. Well, it's, a, it's funny because the, so the initial version of Lead Shield, I, um, I, even though I knew that doing it on a web form was kind of a problem, I initially built it that way. So I'm like, I built it that way to actually go on the web form. And then as I'm like going, I'm like, what am I doing? Like th I'm creating the same, like this is the same problem that I had before where I'm not actually collecting the lead first. And mm -hmm. I was like, nah, I have to do this a different way. Like <laughs> it has to be a different way. That's why I decided, all right, let me go on the back end, just collect the bad leads and then let, like, I, I don't want to be deleting your contacts. If, yeah. if you, if you want to delete those bad emails, that's fine. You can just go into your CRM choose segment like whatever the ones that are that has a bad email tag and delete them but you should be able to decide what you do with that data like some some people you might want to take them and put them into a facebook custom audience and run ads to them to see if they'll they're actually real or not you might want to put them on a backup autoresponder account and email them off a different ip just to yep. make sure that they're bad email just so that you don't hurt the email reputation of your main account so like i don't i don't know how you want to handle that so i want to just give like users the power to be able to do that themselves right which, which makes you like essentially an invaluable or indisposable part of the marketing funnel, right? So you're not controlling anything, but you are helping people make these smart decisions of like, just like you're saying, like, okay, we know these emails are bad. Let's retarget them, find out if they're actual people, if they're actually bad. Let's send them a, a, a nurture sequence, a re-engagement sequence on a lower quality IP so we don't F our own IP address. Exactly. Um, that's super smart. That's super smart. So what are some of the kind of crazy slash, or if there are any interesting things that you found with the data and with, with this whole process? Because one of the things that we've talked to people a lot is like problems that seem simple on the surface always have some really weird thing that you're just like, I can't believe this is a thing <laughs> I have to deal with. And I'm sure with email addresses, there's, there's a ton of them. Have you yeah. run into any that you're like, why do I have to deal with this? <laughs> there, there isn't one specific one I can, I can think of that jumps out. I think that um, one I think that has surprised me is that the level of variance of email lists that have bad emails are like there's, it's just been a, a much wider range than I expected. Mm -hmm. Like some lists have been only 3% bad email addresses and then some have been as high as 20%. And Even with no cleaning originally. Yeah. So it's Interesting. like, it's, I, I didn't realize that the range would be that wide because from my own personal experience, I never had, like, I was always in between that, like five to 10% range. So I'm like, okay, that's like a, 
normal small range. And as more people started verifying emails and just like having buddy of mine run, run it through the system, I was like, wow, like I didn't realize that it was this wide of a range. So I think a lot of that too has to go with how people are collecting their leads. Mm-hmm. Just as far as like, if you have like a, a random WordPress site where, well, I shouldn't say random, but if you have like a blog and maybe you're doing more SEO, I think like you might tend to get more spam leads that way, just because you're like, just, there's a lot of just spiders and bots and stuff, spam traps that just happen to get on your list. So I think like in those situations, you might end up having like a little bit of a higher percentage. I think if you're mostly just using JV and affiliate traffic, you probably didn't have a little bit of a lower percentage of bad email addresses. So I think yeah. it, it, a lot of that just depends on how you're collecting your leads. I've, I've always wondered that, like how, cause I had a site that I was working on for a long time. And then one day I just started getting 50 leads a day and they were all, <laughs> they were all crap. They were all dot RU, but I was like, how did they find me? Like, how did they figure this out? Like it was just, it was going fine for so long. And then, I've started standing, I was working with some clients uh, back in the day and we were standing up brand new sites and we were using drip. And for some reason, there were bots that were sniffing out the drip code and they were just <laughs> scanning every website on the planet for that drip code because they knew they could go right in and get in there. Um, and they started getting the same problem, which was all these bad emails. And it's, it's always been interesting to me, like you're saying, some places have 3% and some places have up to 50%. In my case, I was getting like 90% <laughs> crap emails because uh, they apparently found me as a good honeypot. So. <laughs> Yeah, but it's funny because bots are actually a much bigger problem online than people really realize. Like 65% of internet, 65% of internet traffic is actual bot traffic. What? Dude, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, and like I got a lot into this just from when I, um, when I was working while with click magic, because it's part of, part of the, uh, feature set of it was to block, yeah. um, spit block bots. So like we was just dealing with that a lot. So I, I ended up just, knowing a lot more about bots than I actually wanted to know. <laughs> and it's just, it's just something that, uh, that you, that you run into a lot and people don't really realize. Like if you actually just think about it, anyone who's had a WordPress blog, I'm 99.9% sure that you've had someone like go to your contact form and sign up and you know, for a fact that it was fake. Yeah. Like that is just going to happen. It's just like those type of things just happen all the time, whether they're malicious or they're just like a lot of search engines like Google and stuff like that's literally what they do is scan the web with bots so that they can be able to gather more data for their, yeah. for their search. And there, there are good, there are definitely good and bad bots, but yeah. if you ever want to have like small conniptions, log into your um, server and watch your air, your like Apache or Nginx error logs and just watch <laughs> all the bots just trying every single thing they can to hack into your WordPress site. And it's just, it's, it's scary. Like I always get like the PHP admin, the PHP test, the just, they have this list and they just ping every single site on the internet for it. It's definitely true. I get those emails all the, cause I use uh secure, uh, security on my site mm-hmm. and I get those emails all the time. I had to use Google, put Google authenticator on my actual site because like I was getting like a hundred, 200 a day. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. is this many people trying to hack it to my site? It's, yeah, it's, it's just constant. It's just constant. <laughs> my, my favorite one is, so we use Mailgun as our email sender. And there have been some, I don't know if I would call them smart or just very dedicated. They have, they search and they find people who are on Mailgun and using that as a sending. And then they send emails spoofed from Mailgun with the, the guy who, there's a guy at Mailgun who actually emails you with their, with support issues and stuff like that. It's got a guy's name and they've spoofed all these emails and it's like, 
Michael, I can't remember his name. It's like, Michael says, Hey, you need to go check your uh, mail <laughs> account, check, click here. And I'm like, this seems fishy, but it's, it's so well done. It's, but if you are on a mail gun account, you just get hundreds of these. Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy. Like they're just, <laughs> they're smart. They're, <laughs> yeah. Like it, they definitely are. It's, it's like one of those things where it's like, Jesus Christ, like you sit down and think of coding these type of things that just fly on the internet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so let's, I'd love to talk a little bit about, so this is your, this is your third SAS. You have a track record in being able to build these things uh, as far as the marketing and the growth goes. When you're looking at Lead Shield as a way you're growing this, what are you kind of looking at as a growth vector? Like you are obviously focused on emails. Uh, email is not dead. Email is, <laughs> is very effective. <laughs> They've been saying email's dead for the last 10 years. Seriously. Um, what are kind of your growth strategies that you're looking at as you're starting essentially from scratch. I mean, you have yeah. knowledge, but you're starting a new SaaS. Yeah, so that's actually a really good question. So for Leechel specifically, so I guess I'll kind of take a step back. From my experiences, every single SaaS is a little bit different, especially depending on what type of market you're going after. So even from the even from deciding like SaaSes that I want to go forward with, I have like a good sense of knowing exactly what I want as far as if you're in the industry that like, for example, if you want to start a SaaS that you're trying to get to a hundred million, that's automatically going to eliminate what types of niches that yeah. you can get into that have that type of scale. But if you're a person that wants maybe more of a lifestyle, you, you don't want to have a huge team, you have less employees, then that will significantly change the type of like industry you're in. So like with email verification, I know that's not going to be a hundred or $200 million company. And I know mm -hmm. that the, the audience for it, lead shield is small because I'm specifically targeting people who have at least 10,000 people on the email list or who are acquiring at least like three to 500 new leads per month. So right. that's automatically going to shrink that, that the market of who people I can go after. It's not like every single person who does email marketing is going to have a use for lead shield. Mm -hmm. So knowing that I basically, it's like, all right, well, there's only really I can choose to either go the content SEO route, I can go paid traffic, or I can go or refer referral route. And for me personally, I'm going to start with referrals and doing some paid traffic stuff. And I, I know going into it because the market is so small, I'm going to overspend initially. Yeah. Because I have to be able to have a wide, basically a wide message to people who do email marketing and then segment off the, the small people who actually are a good fit for lead shield and will care about email deliverability. Mm -hmm. So going into that, it's for me, it's good because I know that, all right, my expectations are already set where I, I'm going to spend X amount. I don't care really as much if the cost per lead is super high, if I'm spending a lot to acquire customers because I'm just getting that initial base. Right. And then on the back end, I'm going to be focusing on turning those customers into advocates and that's how I'll get my, my warm yeah. traffic. And then that that's kind of like, it's weird because the two, the two previous SASs I've um, helped grow, they are complete opposites with how they've grown. Mm -hmm. So with like with click magic, it was pretty much all referral and just people just recommending it to friends nice. and affiliates just coming in. And, and we, it was very much more product focused. And we focused on just like cutting support times, making sure that people were happy, keeping, 
um, making sure that the knowledge base tutorial base were extensive so that people could find the information they were looking for. And that we did do some outreach, but not the first year, like the first year and a half, it was mostly just focused on, okay, literally gave away like a hundred accounts, just yep. use the first initial base. And then it's from there, it's like, okay, what do you guys think? Like what, what features do you want? That type of stuff. And then those people just became advocates without us even asking. Yep. And that's, that's literally how it grew all the way to pass over 10,000 customers, over seven figures, all that stuff. Yeah. With uh, Gearbubble, we are much more, um, we're, I wouldn't say aggressive with marketing, but we're much more aggressive than we were with ClickMagic. So with, with uh, Gearbubble, it's a primarily uh, email marketing strategy. I wasn't with uh, Don, who's the CEO from the, from the beginning. So when I came in, we already had, we've already had like a base of users, a large mm -hmm. base of users. So from there it was more, how do we get more leads and how do we extract the most, um, how do we extract the most revenue out of our current base while still doing it in a way where we're providing value and making sure that people are still happy. So right. it's like trying to find that, that, that main balance. And from there, we kind of basically just came up with a strategy. I, I have, I gave it a name as I could just call it mechanical sequences now, but pretty much what we do is that, we, we plan all of our email marketing strategies on like a quarterly basis. So we'll look at a 90 day window and we'll basically say, okay, in these 90 days, like what do we want? Like what are our actual sales promotional stuff, whether they're affiliate products or their internal promotions. And once we decide what we want to actually promote for those 90 days, then we'll just basically stick, stick them into certain dates to plan mm -hmm. that calendar. Once we do that, now it's like, all right, well, because we know what we're promoting, it's a lot easier for us to now strategize the rest of our email marketing strategy because if we have a promotion coming up two weeks from now, then we know, okay, well, we're gonna have to start pre-selling on this date. And if we wanna send content, then the content just needs to be related to whatever we're promoting. Right, and that's- so, Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't get to be honest, <laughs> is that because uh, I've worked with a lot of people that they're like, okay, we're going to do a promotion this week. And you don't, all the content leading up to that promotion is completely different. And then suddenly <laughs> it's like, and now we're talking about this. It's like, no, no, you got to prime this pump for like a month or two months. Like the longer you prime the pump and the softer that ramp up is, the better your promotion's going to be. Definitely. Definitely. I 100% agree. It's, it's, it also gives you like structure because a lot of people who don't like I know a lot of people who actually have large lists that don't email very often and the main reason is because one they either say they don't have the time or two they say they don't know what to send mm -hmm. so it's like this this pretty much eliminates that because now it's not like every day you're just thinking about all right what am I going to send or you just wake up like I don't know what to send to my list like I don't want to I don't want to promote too much or I don't want to send too much content like what's the balance between value and selling and all that stuff like this gives you the structure you're not it's not like you're just coming up, coming up with it out of thin air. So right. once you kind of plug all that in, like we pretty much will structure our content around those promotions. And like, I pretty much have like a systemized way now where it's like, I, I know for whatever price points we're selling, like how long the sequence needs to be. So oh, I'll know great. like, okay, like, well, if, the, if we're doing a product that's a thousand dollars or more, then we're probably going to want the cart open for at least seven days. So like the mm -hmm. promotional piece of the cart itself will be open seven days. And then how, how much do I want to pre-sell before that? So like I might do maybe one or two days of pre-sell emails before that. And then before that will be the content chunk. 
that's yep. like three or four days. So then it's like that gives me my schedule. But it's like we might do another weekend sale that's like, you know, of a hundred dollar product. So in that case, I know, well, the cart's only gonna be open three days. So in that case, the sequence will be a little bit shorter. I might only do one or two days of content, then mm -hmm. a pre-sale, then roll into that that 72 hour sequence, close it, and then yeah. do it that, and that way. And that's something that you have to find out on a per audience basis. Like what you find there is not going to be the same as what John over here is is getting with his list, right? Exactly. It's we had a we were working with someone who had a 14 day funnel because selling a thousand dollar product, we were like, no one's going to buy in under 40 <laughs> days, and we we're like, do we know that? And we knocked it down to seven, and conversion rate didn't drop. And we're like, yeah. we can sell this a lot faster, get our <laughs> money back a lot quicker, and not have to have to drive um, to drag this out. Um, and this is one thing that I think was interesting when you were talking about. For Lead Shield, you don't care about the cost per acquisition right now because you're in that first step. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people do not realize at the beginning is that you don't know what your customer lifetime value is at all. So if you freaked out when you're spending thirty dollars, fifty dollars on a on a trial, well, are people going to be worth three hundred dollars? Like, are you making that money back? Like. <laughs> At this stage, you have no idea because you're just it's it's too early to really understand that yet. And that's once you get those numbers and understand, like, oh, anyone who signs up is gonna be worth three thousand dollars over their lifetime, <laughs> I can spend a lot more money to to get one of these customers. Exactly. I I hundred percent agree with that. I it's like that was one thing, it's where I think that because of the SaaS industry, there's like such a met, it's like very, very metrics driven where it's like, what's your churn? What's your retention rate? And what's your growth rate and all this different type of stuff. And it's like, well, all of that data really doesn't matter until you're in like year two. Yeah. Like not that it's not important, but whatever you're looking at, I'm telling you six months in, it's not going to look the same as right. it does two years in. So you kind of just have to focus on making sure like it, it's, I look at it like you want to just focus on, keeping your customers happy, making sure that your product is great, and then communicating what the great benefits of your products are to your, to your potential customers yeah. in, a, like, in, a, in an effective way. And if you can do those things, then everything else will kind of take care of itself. And then yeah. once you kind of get past that year mark, get to the year and a half, two year mark, then you could start looking more deeply into the numbers. But none of like, it doesn't really matter what your lifetime value is if you can't even acquire customers because it's in the first place. Right. Like. And I think that you're exactly right. The, especially first two years, and I'll, I'll tell a story about Psychometrics in a second, but um, you can't look at the aggregate data because you don't have enough data to look at it in aggregate, right? Yeah. So, you, so in our, I think it was first year and a half, we had a low number of customers, but man, they were good customers. And we had like a $2,000, $3,000 uh, lifetime value per customer because they stayed on forever. <laughs> and then we started growing and we got all these new customers in. We got like maybe like 20 a week or 30 a week. Or I don't, I don't even remember it. We got all these new customers in, and our lifetime value drops like a rock <laughs> because we have all these people who have been there for a month. So of yeah. course they have no lifetime value. So if we're looking at an aggregate and if those people, if like half of those people churned, then our churn rate would go up. Like we just didn't have enough people to really make an informed decision. So what we need to really be looking at was number of trials coming in, number of people that um, 
of convert from those trials and then how long those people stay on. And that should have been our main number of what we're looking at, not this overall aggregate of, of what um, like barometrics or something like that would give us, right? Because yeah. we want to be very specific at that early stage when if you have 100 people on your list and two of them unsubscribe, that's a 2% unsubscribe rate right there. Like that's, not a, that's not a useful number. <laughs> that, and a key thing that you said is that you only actually name three KPIs. And that, that's like something that is extremely important, especially in the yeah. beginning. Like you really don't want, three is like the ideal number. Four, like you don't want to go past it, four. Yeah. yeah, like once you get to four, it's like you really shouldn't be looking at like any other really key metrics past four metrics. Yeah, and this is this is something interesting that, you know, one of my favorite things about talking with our customers and our clients and everything is that, I've been doing analytics stuff for God, 15 years now. I've been doing um, conversion rate optimization marketing for about a decade now. And one of the things that got me was we were talking about these KPIs and they're like, well, if I just watch these three KPIs, then I'm good, right? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, God, no. <laughs> the, the three KPIs, the, the KPIs that you have are telling you, is the business improving or declining? The KPIs themselves give you no information about what you should do about your marketing. Because, and, and here was the, the thing I said, is like, okay, let's say you have three Facebook ads. You have one that's doing okay at bringing people in for $10 a lead. You have one that's doing great and bringing people in for a dollar lead. And you have one that's bringing, is horrible and it's a hundred dollars lead. Well, if you look at the KPI, it's all around that $3 range. So Sure, you're doing great. <laughs> Everything's good. But you have this thing that's costing you $100 a lead, but you can't see it because it's a, it's the KPIs are averages. You have to go into that to find the outliers. You have to find, hey, this one's doing great. Focus on that. This one's doing crap. Kill it. Like yeah. You have to find these outliers. And KPIs measure how the company is doing, but they don't tell you what to do with your marketing. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. That was one of the main reasons why I, I like Techmetrics when I was looking in, looking into everything because it was just like, all right, well, I I need a baseline of just what I want to quickly look at to know that the business is healthy. Mm -hmm. But then there's just the, these little little micro things that I know at some point you can't optimize with KPIs. Like that's just right. <laughs> it's not it's just not detailed enough information. It's it's more of a, a business health thing. Exactly. And that's, and that's why going back to the lead shield and like the quality of your leads, that's why when you're looking at a broadcast or you're looking at a sequence and they only show you that top number of number of clicks per email sent. And I'm like, who cares? You need the clicks compared to how many emails got opened, right? Because there, there, it's a, even every email you send is a funnel, right? Yeah. And so the subject line is the first step in the funnel. Did they open? If, the, if you have no opens, then you didn't have it a good subject line. Yeah. The click is how good the body copy is. Um, and just looking at the click to number of sends doesn't tell you anything. That's so then true. you need to go in and say, okay, of the people who didn't open, oh, look, Lead Shield is telling me that a third <laughs> of them are just crap bots, right? <laughs> and that's, to me, that's where it kind of comes together, which is understanding the people on your list and being able to say, are these good leads or not? Because you can get 10,000 leads from, a, from an opt-in form from promotion, but are they A, real, and yeah. B, are they ever going to do anything?
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I always look at it like there's two parts to email marketing, well, to effective email marketing. There's getting your emails delivered, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's the actual email marketing strategy. Right. And it's like, well, getting it delivered, you have like the technical stuff or like setting up SPF records and checking email center reputation. And that's the part of where I wanted to tackle with Leecho, where it's like, I want to make sure that people are able to easily just click a few buttons, get all their leads verified and not have to worry about that three to 20% of leads that are, are not doing well because yeah. the, the main um, metric that a lot of the um, email service providers look at is engagement. So like, if you just look at it from a pure, like, like just a, like a logical standpoint, it's like, well, engagement is just based on the, on the surface level. It's just how many people are opening your emails. Obviously there's other engagement metrics, but mm-hmm. that's like the first, the first metric that is easy to understand. And if the email is bad, they can't open the email. Right. So that's automatically going to hurt your reputation. So it's like, all right, lead Shield helps tackle that. And it's like, once you get all, once lead Shield takes care of that, now you can just focus on the email strategy part. Like you're saying, where it's like, all right, subject line, making sure mm-hmm. that the people who are real are opening the emails. Then from there, it's like, all right, how do I actually direct them to where I want them to go? Are they click like, getting them to actually entice to, to click on my emails, to send them to whether it's content promotions or whatever. And then it's like, you can kind of focus yeah. on that, that, that other piece of it. And it's frustrating because you're exactly right. The, the email providers are using your open rates as a decision of how high quality your sending is going to be and which IP addresses they're going to put you on and how they, cause they need to protect their IP addresses. Because there's that's so many spammers out there. That's all they care about <laughs> is predicting how good their uh, sending uh, reputation is. And so if you have a lot of emails that are the .rus or crap emails and stuff, and they start seeing, hey, you have an 11% open rate, they're going to put you on that lower tier, which means even if you clean it up, if you're still just blasting, you're still going to stay on that 11 tier. And it's funny because the people who are good get better. If you have a high open rate, you're going to get higher tiered, which means you have better deliverability, which means you're going to go up more, go up more. But on the converse, if you are not cleaning that list, if you're not looking at the quality of your lead, you're just going down it each time. And you're going from, oh, I had a good list to suddenly I'm only getting 5% open rates. And they don't tell you that the deliverability or the engagement or whatever is bad. You don't know because then spammers could um could um use that to stop the to um to spam better right yeah and so they're not giving you that transparency but you just see your engagement levels just drop like a rock yeah it's crazy i remember when i like first uh, was building lead shield i was looking at a bunch of just just different email data reports and uh Eppleson had ran um a report they like they ran a report through like billions of emails that they analyzed and through the study, it was email addresses that have been on your, that have been on an emailing list, like this is across a bunch of different industries, for three months or longer, 47% of them are inactive across wow. all the, the data set that they saw. Mm-hmm. And then what's even crazier is that email addresses that were on lists for three months or less, so like actually your actual newer leads, that, that actually jumped up to 66%. So mm-hmm. I was like, in my head, I was like, wait, this doesn't even make sense. Cause I, I am, I'm like, well, like, should it fresh leads be more active than leads that have been on your list longer? And then I started really thinking about it. I was like, well, I guess like, if you kind of think about it, when you first acquire a lead, your first few emails, the open rates, like if you have a sequence is, is always super high. Yeah. 
and each email as you go along gets lower and lower and lower. But then what happens is that they pretty much decide if they're going to become a fan of yours and stay, or they're just like, ah, like I got what I wanted, or I'm not really feeling right. what you're sending, and then they stop. So I was like, I guess in that sense, it makes sense because if someone's been on your list for at least three months, they actually know you better than a new lead. Yeah. So it would make sense that if they stayed around that long, that there's going to be a higher percentage of them that actually interact with your emails. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if someone's, I, there was um, a, a tweet came back up somewhere that I had tweeted a long time ago from last Black Friday. I was like, there should be a name for the after Black Friday when you just unsubscribe from everything. Because <laughs> everyone's sending all these emails here and just like, F you, F you, F you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're exactly right. The people who I am actually interested in following and the people that I want to learn from, I'm going to stay on their list and I'm going to continue opening those emails. It's the junk crap that comes in after like three months. I'm like, I just can't deal with you emailing me anymore Ooh, and unsubscribe um, or just throw them all to, to trash or spam. Or anything, <laughs> right. Um, there's something I was going to mention about, uh, oh, th so this is actually something that we saw with Segmetrics, which someone had recommended. He said, in the first three days, I send out a welcome email, a story about myself and that, or about the company and myself about why we're doing what we're doing. And then like a, hey, let's get on call. And he yeah. said, that just rocketed my conversion up. And we tried it and it, it did. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're saying that people are engaged for about three days, maybe a week. And then they make that decision of, is the content good enough or not? So if you're stringing out this, this engagement and you're like saying, oh, I'm going to wait a week until I email them the second time, they've already forgotten about you. Yeah, seriously. Right? You, you have this very short window to, for a cold lead to get them in and say, hey, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. And this is our, um, this is our um, value proposition. And I think, think back too. like, there's a lot of times where I'll like someone will run a campaign and it's just, they have a very compelling lead magnet, whether it's like a PDF, just something I access to a free tool, just something that I'm like, oh, all right, I'll give my email address for that. And I basically opted in to get whatever that lead mm -hmm. magnet was. And then I literally won't open any of their emails after that. So it's yeah. like, I'm, it's like, I'm at it. I'm, I'm joining their list. I download whatever I want. I get my login credentials and then I and just I'm gone. never, yep. yeah, I'm gone. I'm never responding to any of their emails. So it's like those type of situations happen as well, where you're not dealing with those type of people. You're not like having like some sort of automation set up where you're looking at people who are not open the emails over like a 30, 60 or 90 day period. You're not getting rid of the invalid emails like that, that those combined as such a large percentage of your list. It's actually larger than the percentage of people that do engage. Right. So if you can segment those people off, it'll, it'll also help you too, from a metric standpoint where, I love when people always like ask like, oh, like how much do you make per, per subscriber? And it's like, well, if you have a, a list of 50,000 people and only 15,000 of them have opened your email in the past six months, like your actual earnings per subscriber shouldn't be based off the 50,000. Right. Should be based off the 15,000. So you could be making a lot more per subscriber than you think, but you don't actually know because you're not calculating it based off people who are actually interacting with your emails. Right. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, we're, we're talking about that engagement and lead quality. You really have to look at, and I've seen, I've seen people who have much smaller lists. I've seen people with a 10,000, 20,000 person list make a good 30 to $50 per subscriber when they do a launch because 
everyone on that list, there's no general person on this list. <laughs> everyone on that list is there because they love being on that list and they're getting value out of it. So when you do so, and then I see people with a million, 200, 2 million people lists who are getting less than a dollar a lead. It's like <laughs> 20 cents, right? Yeah. And it's just, it's, I found it's the same with the consulting agencies. It's like, do you want to do it at scale and do a mass market blast? Or do you want to be very specific about who you are talking about and build that rabid fan base? Yeah. I think it's too, it, some of it is just, it's t a little bit time consuming to build out the, to, to be able to do the segmenting. So people mm -hmm. just get into a habit of, well, you know, I built my list for this thing. And once I kind of get over these number of contacts, I'm just going to keep sending everyone. Like, I don't, I don't want to go through the process of, of cleaning segmenting up, yeah. out, of cleaning up things just because, well, I'm still making money. So must, must not be anything wrong. And it's like, if you clean up the list, you'll actually realize you're making even more money. And if, yeah. and if really, if you wanted to, if you decide that you do want to delete those contacts after you like run them through a re-engagement process or um, email them from like a separate IP or something like you actually will save money because mm -hmm. now you have, you'll be paying for a lot less contacts and email sends in your CRM. Yeah. And it's, it's all about, and that's going back to lead show again. That's why I like the tagging. That's why I like the analytics and the, not just blocking them, but understanding how those, those email addresses are performing. Uh, we did a promotion and they were like, Hey, do you want to block all the Gmail and all the hotmail and all the free things that come in? I'm like, I don't know. So I, I did, <laughs> I, I don't know how they perform. So I did a yeah. scan of all of our customers and lead values and stuff and who engages and our Gmail accounts actually engage a lot because what happens is someone signs up with their Gmail account and then they go through the engagement. They're really engaged. And then they sign up with their business account. Right. <laughs> but we're able to connect them together. I'm like, if I had just filtered out all of these Gmail accounts, I would lose so much conversion <laughs> right here because I think that, oh, free email suck. But that's my audience. We've seen, yeah. we've seen it on other ones where, God, if you have a Yahoo or, God forbid, an AOL account, like, <laughs> just burn it with fire. Like, <laughs> I, then, I, my actual Hotmail, the first email address I ever had, my Hotmail one, I still, it's technically still active now. And I still get emails to it all the time. It's like, I literally haven't checked the email address in like five years. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's all security alerts. This I have a, I have a hotmail account from 98, maybe 99. And it's all, um, it's, it's all just, um, security alerts at this point. <laughs> it's like so-and-so requested a password reset. I'm like, okay, this is spam. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me the how different everyone's audience is and how creating a blanket rule of this is a good email, this is bad, is A, not possible, and B, makes it so much more difficult to market correctly, to, to just take a general idea and say like, this is what you should do and be able to apply that because you don't know. You don't know until you test it out on your list. Going back to the Yahoo, I don't think anyone on my list is a valuable Yahoo, Yahoo email user, <laughs> but I have people I've worked with that they focus specifically on older, like 60 to 80 year old women and nine times out of 10, that is a Yahoo address. Yeah. And that's their main source of revenue, right? That and it's like, those sense. are their best customers. And so, so the more you can understand and the more with something like Leachio where you can customize exactly who's coming in and be able to understand everyone who's coming in just makes it so much more valuable, I think.
Yeah, no, I, it's weird too because with uh, uh, thing I just forgot what I was about to say with Lee Child. What was I about to say? I think I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's been one of those days. It's uh, it's the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I'm trying to think. Um, with the e- oh, so with when you're uh, verifying email addresses, one thing too that um people don't realize like how you were talking about the false positives earlier mm-hmm. it's like well if you just look at it there's we like especially as marketers or people who have business owners anyone that has has a site your site has been down before mm-hmm. and there's been times on the internet where like amazon s3 went down where it's like they power like half the everything or something <laughs> so like all just these services off. just stop working mm-hmm. like and imagine like if you're running like a facebook campaign or a youtube ads campaign that day and all of the email addresses that are associated with anything that was on Amazon S3, if you get it verified, like say you have it, like how I used to have it on the, on the web form level mm-hmm. where you, cause I, I actually know people still do this cause they think it's the, they feel it's the best way. And it's like, if you put this on the web form level, that one day when the, or the few hours when the internet is down, every single email address that goes in your, on your optimal, well, the majority of them are going to return as bad. Yep. because the servers on them are bad so the system won't be will won't be able to ping the smtp and they'll basically say oh well the domain's down so like yep. that means that this email address must must not be working and it's like <laughs> that that's like a whole day of leads that you were actually paying traffic for that you're not going to collect because mm-hmm. you put it on the web form instead of allowing the leads to come in first and then verifying it and I then mean- deciding what you want to do with it yeah, and this is something I think that especially non-technical people don't really get about the internet. They're like, oh, the internet's down. How how hard can it be? When if you talk to people who are deal with servers or deal with that type of stuff, they are amazed that the internet works at all. There are so <laughs> many things that can go wrong. You're just a single frame of this interview goes through so many different touch points, talks to so many different servers. There could be a blip in like a cable could get bent, like (laughs) there could be a sunspot. There's so many things that can go wrong at any given second. Um, And not even getting into the bigger email side of it. And when people are purposely trying to something, I was just talking with someone, we were talking about credit cards and he's like, these credit cards, they fail and then it goes through again and it passes. What's going on there? Why do we have all these failed credit cards? Like, because banks suck and the internet sucks. It's really what it is. It's just, it's, mind-blowing that the internet works first of all and to then trust okay the internet will work at this specific second when someone's trying to opt in and if it doesn't we're just going to throw them out right? <laughs> is mind-blowing <laughs> that that's like when you put it that way it's it's such a great point but it's like something that you don't ever really think about and and even even for myself it's like i only know this now through experience from doing oh, yeah. it but if, if I like didn't know all this stuff and I was just like, all right, well, I want to stop people, bad emails from coming on my list. I probably would have did the same thing I did the first time yeah. was just put it on the web form, connect it through, through the API of the email verification system and think like, all right, like this is the We're best done. Yeah. Now they're never coming on my list. I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> it's like, no, this is not a good idea. <laughs> you want to collect the lead first. Right. And exactly. even if you don't want to email them, it's fine because if you still collect the lead first, you can still set up automations where it's like, don't like if the if the tag it says bad email, don't put them into the sequence. Right. So exactly. that way you're still collecting the email address and you still won't email the bad leads. Right. But you actually have it on file. 
I'd like to say going back to the, um, you know, people just opt in for the PDF and then never open an email. I would actually like to see at some point now we have re really good retargeting and stuff. I'd love to see either a no opt in PDF that we then retarget with or something where you do opt in, you get the thing. And it says in the emails, like, Hey, we're going to remove you in three days if you don't click here <laughs> and just, just do make people make that decision of, yes, I want this information or no, I don't. And I'd be really interested to see how many people are just like, Oh, cool. I just won't be on this list now versus now I don't want kind of that, uh, that FOMO thing of, I don't want to miss out on some of this free content and be, because we also know that as soon as you click on a link in those emails, um, your engagement in that goes up. And so your sending goes up. So this yeah, is definitely. a great way to even segment people who are just looky loose for that one thing uh, and find better, better leads that way. Yeah, no, I, I like that idea a lot. I can't remember what podcast I was listening to. I was listening to one recently where they were talking about a business that actually does not allow people to just buy their product. You mm -hmm. have to actually opt in and go through an actual sequence before you get the permission to buy. Oh, and by them doing that, it makes their emailing list really, really engaged because mm -hmm. you're, you can't just easily like buy. You literally have to be interacting and follow through the sequence in order to get a chance you, to actually. Do you remember if that product. was a SaaS or was that an info product? It was a, it was an info product. It wasn't a SaaS. Okay. Cause I, I know. I wish I could remember what, I didn't even remember what the podcast was, but it was, it was literally like two days ago. I was listening to this. I was like, oh, oh, that's be an interesting like, concept. Yeah. I'd be interested in who that was. I know Ramit Sadie did that for a while. I think he finally opened it up, but you could not buy any of his products without going through a sequence. And every sequence was made as if it was a live launch. And it was so funny because people would be <laughs> pinging me. It's like, oh, Ramit just opened up um, this new thing. I'm like, I don't think he did, <laughs> but then I realized they're on this evergreen sequence and it, you're exactly right. It gets that engagement up. Um, meet Edgar. And this was interesting because I love that on info products. I love not yeah. being able to buy a product. You have to go through the sequence. I think it, I think it really builds that engagement and builds that conversion. Meet Edgar did it. Um, and it just annoyed me because I like, yeah. I want to sign up for your software but I don't want to go through this whole, like, we, I don't want to wait a week to try out the software, right? right? To go through the sequence. I just want to try out the software. Whereas a, an info product, I think I'm more, I need to know the, the pain dream fix. I need to know more about it. By the time I've got the, a need for software, I just want to jump in. Yeah. But they were doing it, so apparently it worked. So maybe, yeah, actually, maybe I saw, I'm I saw completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know, because it's funny, because I, I actually just recently saw another podcast from her recently but i have heard previous ones of laura the the person laura, who, uh, yeah. This, yeah who uh, started um meet edgar and i remember during the time when she still had that she was talking about like that strategy and stuff and apparently it works i know that she said they got to like two million or something in sales before they now they've changed it i think it's opened up now it's opened up yeah but um previously that's how that's how she did it she said basically she basically just treated it like her sales her SAS homepage as a, as a landing page pretty much. Yep. And that's, it's interesting because I think as a beginning growth tactic, that's very good. You see a lot of people's like, Oh, we're open in the beta I request an invite. And I yep. don't know if that still works as much, but it used to be really effective. So, so, yeah. I know ConvertBox actually does the same thing now. Oh, do they? Like, interesting. Yeah. They have like a request invite type of funnel where it's like the homepage, you request the invite, they collect your information and then, from there, it'll bring you basically to like an OTO 
where yeah. you can, uh, it's like a one-time offer. They have the VSL and stuff like that. And, and then, uh, I mean, he's been doing it for ever since he like started that. I don't know their numbers or anything, but I know like the group has a lot of people and I hear a lot of people talk about Kim Fox, so they, it yeah. must be working for them. Yeah, and I wonder, yeah. And I wonder, or I, I don't wonder, I know this is very much based on the audience that you're trying to serve because especially enterprise, like if you look at Kiss Metrics now, you cannot sign up for Kiss Metrics anymore. You have to go yeah. through a call with them because they're now enterprise. Um, I That is not, if if I go to a SaaS or a software and they're like, oh, you have to get on a call or you have to go through a list, I'm like, there are competitors. Like yeah. I'll, fi- I'll find someone else. But yeah. that's because I am not their target market. Yeah, and I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah, but their target market obviously does respond to that because they're doing it and they're growing to, like Laura said, 2 million, <laughs> right? Like it's, a, it's an effective tactic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting how, especially like when you're growing a SaaS to try to take yourself out of it to really understand the, the way your own art, ideal target market like thinks and how they buy and how they're going to consume things and, and kind of like take yourself out. I feel like that's one of the things that's extremely difficult. And mm-hmm. even with not even just from marketing, just from a feature standpoint too, where it's like you had like just as entrepreneurs and people who are building software, like you're, you have this creative mind with this, like, Oh, it would be so cool if you added this, be so cool with that. Everyone's going to love this feature. And it's like, you <laughs> add it and no one uses it. And you're like, Oh shit. Like then, yeah. Just wasted like months or weeks of dev time for something that no one likes except me or no one even uses it, uses it except me. Yeah. And I think that's one reason why SaaS being a scratch your own itch kind of product are always really good because you understand maybe not a hundred percent, but you have a really good deep understanding of the problem set because you've lived through that every single day. Um, that's where Segmetrics came from. Uh, that's where Lead Shield came from. And it's like that, to me is a huge competitive advantage. It's not just some guy saying, oh, you, this guy's doing something cool over here. Let's <laughs> copy that, right? Uh, it's more of like, why does this tool not exist? It has to exist and I need it so much that I'm going to go build it. Yeah, no, and I, I, I 100% agree with that. It's extremely difficult to build a SaaS in an area that you don't have firsthand experience with or aren't partnered with someone who does. Right. You can do it, but it's extremely hard. <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. And especially even if you do have experience, not having a wide berth of experience. So our, our first product we did was, like I said, online courseware. And we had only worked with top echelon people like the, the Jim Quicks, the Evan Pagans, or Meet Sadies of the world, right? And their use case is so different than a standard person. And so we built a product. We were like, oh, we know exactly. We have like 10 customers already that would be happy to use this. We built it for them, not realizing there's maybe 30 of those people out there. <laughs> so we, we, had a, we had a lot of features that they needed, but no one else needed at all. And they didn't even want. And so we, yeah, yeah you really have to live in that world for a while and really understand that that problem set and that's what makes great software yeah no, that's definitely that i 100 percent agree with that yeah. well brandon i want to be conscious of your time thank you so much for joining us on uh data beats opinion and where can people find you and uh what should people look out for yeah so i first of all thank you for having me i definitely yeah. appreciate it it's, been, it's always great talking to you um the, the website is leechill.io i'm actually going to set up um uh, uh actual discount page for your people it'll be awesome go dot lead shield it'll be go dot lead slash data beats 
And awesome. um, it'll be, they'll be able to, to grab accounts with, and save up to 50% on. 50%. <laughs> awesome. That, and we will definitely link that up there. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Just pretty much lead shield. I'm on Facebook, obviously Brandon Shelton. So uh, shoot me a friend request if, you, if you'd like, if I don't respond, please uh, shoot me a PM because I actually have a lot of friend requests that I haven't responded to. <laughs> but after doing this interview, I'll make sure that I actively like go check the recent ones. I, I know that feeling. I tell people my inbox is where things go to die. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. All right, Brandon. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, man. Have a Cheers. great one. Boom. <laughs> thanks so much, man. That was fun. Thanks. No, it definitely was fun. It was just like normal conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, it's always interesting. So I've done four or five of these so far, and this will probably go up in two weeks, I'm hoping. Okay. Um, and I'll send you out information about it. But they always start kind of stilted where we're just kind of like doing the standard like, oh, what are you doing? And then we always find something to latch on at about the 20 minute mark that we're like, oh yeah, super excited about talking about this. <laughs> Seriously, so. how, how, what, uh, what made you want to start doing the interviews and stuff like that? Um, so... The biggest thing was that I don't like self-promotion at all. I hate promoting my own stuff, but at the same time, there's so much great information out there and I don't want people just to listen to me. So I was yeah. like, why can't I get experts who know this stuff, who have a lot more knowledge in this area than me, who are doing cool things with data and I want to promote them. So that's really where it came from is that I want to be able to highlight people who are doing awesome things with data um, and who have insights into marketing that I don't have or that are very specialized niche like with Lead Shield and just promote the hell out of it. Like, no, I appreciate honestly. that. Yeah. It sounds, sounds cool because I, I, I always contemplated actually doing a podcast just because I enjoy talking to other like entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. but I just never actually was like, all right. It was one of those things was like, ah, I thought about it. And I just never like, even like look to like move forward with it. But I do have a lot of friends who are like getting into it now. Yeah. They, they love doing it. It's remarkably a lot of work. I yeah. like, you think, oh, it's just going to be an hour call. It's like, there's so much prep and like <laughs> just the, the logistics of everything. Like it's a lot of work. Um, yeah. We have three people doing these, oh, like wow. going through the whole process. So we have Kai who does, who helps me with the outreach. I record it. Um, we have a video editor and then we have someone who does all the um, all the um, tweets and putting it up there and everything. It's just, it's a process. Like, <laughs> I can yeah. imagine. How, how often do you plan on doing them? We're, so we got, four, this is our fourth one in the hopper. So we're going to do once a week is our okay. plan. We probably am going to start once every other week just so that we don't run out right in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're still trying to figure out the actual promotion plan. Like, how because i'd rather have one really good one that we then promote for two weeks and then go to the next one rather than like oh and now I'll go talk to brandon and now I'll go talk to jane <laughs> and now like just so there's a lot more hype around it what we were talking about about priming that pump right yeah no definitely yeah. that's pretty that's cool man i um i i'm actually finishing up uh vsl for lead shield that i'm gonna run paid traffic too so nice I've been waiting to waiting to hold off to uh grab my segmentus account because i was like all right let me just focus on finishing <laughs> the script first getting this shot and then uh i know before it. i start running traffic yeah definitely want to have that set up before i start running the traffic so i can have everything in place yeah 
Yeah, we did the same thing. We had we were not using our own software for the longest time. And then <laughs> we're like, okay, we're really starting these Facebook ads. We're gonna do a webinar, and we're like, we have to hook this up now. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, That's awesome, cool. awesome. All right, man. Well, I will get in touch when we're ready to send this thing out, um, and I'll send over. Just trying to think. Yeah, I'll just I'll. Message, I'll send you an email with uh, what tweets and stuff we're going to do, uh, just what it's going to be before we send it out. All right, cool, man. I'll, I'll probably run traffic to it too for my, for my end as well. So wherever you put it up, I'll just run it to that link. Sounds good. All right, All right man. man. You have a great have day. Have a good one. You Cheers. too. Bye.